With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We're pleased to have you uh, with us this morning. Sorry for the delay. Um, it's uh, January the 2nd, 2022. And we are studying basically the life of Abraham, and I call it Abraham and the Covenant of Promise. Um, we started with uh, a number of things to do with uh, um, some introduction material to Abraham, some timeline information, things of that sort um, last week. But we also uh, was reading in Genesis chapter 12 is where we pick up uh, the beginnings of these things. Although we're breaking into uh, to the lineage of the Old Testament, which uh, really starts in earnest in chapter 10 of Genesis after the flood, giving a very complete lineage um, at that point. And we find that Abram, Abram, Abraham, as he became uh, renamed by God, was uh, a direct descendant uh, of Shem, one of the sons of Noah. And that, of course, is an important fact. Uh, also, being the uh, covenant of promise that was given to Abram, uh, he was to be become a nation, a mighty nation, and besides that, uh, the Messiah, the promised Messiah that was promised in Genesis 3 to Adam and Eve, that one that would crush the head of Satan and make remedy for the problem that mankind had. And what was that problem? Sin. It wasn't the fact that they needed a bigger house or uh, they needed some more mon money or they needed food. No, it was the sin problem. And friends, it still is. It's still the, the problem. But at this point, we have a real remedy through Christ. Um, as they did in the first covenant, they had remedy for sin, but they were awaiting the Messiah. <clears throat> we read on and um, we, actually we started in, uh, in chapter 11, um, and uh, we got into chapter 12, and we read um, 1 through 8, but we didn't get into our discussion um, in verse 4 of that chapter yet. Now, in verse 3, we found the very important statement made by God 
that is Jehovah God, as the uh, as my Bible that I was reading there uh, uses that word. Uh, today I'm going to be using the Septuagint to read from. So in verse three, I'd just like to reread that for you. Twelve three, and I will bless those that bless thee, and curse those that curse thee, and in thee, and in thee shall all the tribes of the earth be blessed. Now, that is quite a statement. All the tribes of the earth, meaning every group of people. Um, you know, there was, we could say that it started with three, three tribes from the sons of Noah. Um, and then after the Tower of Babel, where God confused the language of the people living at that time, we don't know how many tribes there became, but believe me, the ones that were speaking the same language gathered together, and that's the way it was set up. And they dispersed, because that was the reason God had to go down and do that, because they would not disperse. Instead, they fathered uh, were trying to follow their own best thinking by building a ziggurat, as they believe now, that went up in higher and higher and higher off the face of the earth so that they could, I guess, reach God. That was the idea, uh, which was the exact same thing that uh, Lucifer did uh, that caused his problem trying to elevate himself. So we, we find that, um, we find a lot of different tribes, and all those tribes would be blessed through the covenant that Abram had been given. And we read about it in the Galatian letter, Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 17. If you didn't write that and note that, please note it and read it for yourself. Because this is our connection in Abraham through faith in the faith. We are his sons and daughters through faith. That's our connection to Abraham. He had a, a real faith, and we'll be reading about the, the, the case where God actually came to understand that Abram's faith uh, was truly legitimate. And it, this is where we're at. Now in verse 4, um, we find some historical things. And Abram went as the Lord spoke to him, and Lot departed with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he went out of the uh, Ur of the Chaldees, or not Ur of the Chaldees, but uh, Haran at that point. So... Abraham was 75 when he and Sarah and Lot left Haran for Canaan. And Haran was quite a bit north of where they had left from, but the, the father wanted to stop there, uh, Terah, and he died there. And then they moved on. God spoke to Abraham. The year 2145 B.C. is the time that this took, took place. So, you know, we can keep track of these things very closely. Uh, and we're going to be accurate there within a year or so. 
So this is the account that we read. Uh, And then in verse 7, Jehovah appears again to Abram. And and the promise that his seed should have the land, would inherit the land that he was on at that time. And that that land, that area, uh, was now the Mount Moriah uh, location in in uh, Canaan, as it's known. And where is this location? Well. They left Haran and they go. They follow the the, the water. Uh, they they follow the the good land where they can survive them and their animals and and uh, and they end up coming into Canaan from the northern area, from the Syria area. And this is not in Syria, but it's in Canaan. And basically, this area is some sixty to seventy miles north. Of Jerusalem. Now that's a long ways uh, on foot. Uh, so this area, Canaan, the Canaan area, is not that big an area. We live here in this country where 60, 70 miles is nothing. You know, we're there in you know in an hour and a half. We're we're there even if there's some traffic. You know, uh, to them it would be a, a number of days, and it could even be slower depending on the animals that they had. And, and the issue of pastoring and water and all these things that slows you up. So this is where they were. But they, but they departed that area too. So I'll read verses 7 and 8 again. And the Lord appeared to Abram and, and said to him, I will give this land to thy seed. And Abram built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Now, please notice that um, the promise is to his seed, not seeds. In other words, not all the descendants, uh, but to the descendants of Amram in particular. Now, um, verse 8, And he departed thence to the mountain eastward of Bethel, And there he pitched his tent in Bethel, near the sea, and Ahai, towards the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram departed and went and encamped in the wilderness. Now we're through verse 9. So he's moving, always moving, moving south, as a matter of fact, in, in our way of looking at maps. He's moving south. Verse 8, the area that Abram and his sojourners went to between Bethel on the west, and the west, remember, is towards the Mediterranean Sea, the Great Sea, as it's known. It's not on the seacoast, but it's towards it. uh, And that's on the west. And Ahai on the east, and that's more towards the Jordan River. And now this location is just 10 miles north of the Jerusalem area. Jerusalem was not a developed city at this time. It was just a very small um, area with uh, a certain people in it. Um, They were not the people of the promise. Jebusites, I believe they were known as. And 
uh, it would be some time before this area would be uh, important in, um, in Israel's history. So, in verse 9, let's read a few verses ahead now. Uh, we, we read verse 9 that Abram departed and went and encamped in the wilderness. In other words, uh, he went out from the areas that we were just at, and I would consider that the wilderness too. But in verse 10 it says, and this, of course, is a, is a change in, in the circumstance that uh, he, um, he finds himself in. It actually runs clear through verse 20. And there was famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there because the famine prevailed in the land. And it came to pass when Abram drew nigh to enter into Egypt, Abram said to Sarah, his wife, I know that thou art a fair woman. It shall come to pass then that when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, This is his wife. And they shall slay me, and they shall save thee alive. Say therefore, I am his sister that it may be well with me on account of thee, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass when Abram entered into Egypt, the Egyptians having seen his wife, that she was very beautiful, that the prince of Pharaoh saw her and praised her to Pharaoh and brought her into the house of Pharaoh. And they treated Abram well on her account. And he had sheep and calves and asses and men servant and women servant and mules and camels. And God afflicted Pharaoh with a great and severe afflictions and his house because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh, having called Abram, said, What is this? Thou hast done to me, that thou didst not tell me that she was thy wife. Wherefore didst thou say she is my sister? And I took her for a wife to myself. And now, behold, thy wife is before thee. Take her and go quickly away. And Pharaoh gave charge to the men concerning Abram to join in sending him forward and his wife and all that he had. Now this is a strange account. It's always been a strange one to me. Um, I suppose that Abram may have been correct about them slaying him, but um, I'm not sure. How did he know for sure? He had never been to Egypt. Nonetheless, um, this this is what he, he did. I think Abram is more, uh, well, let, let's look at the famine. The famine drove Abram into Egypt. And, and why? You say, well, why couldn't he just survive uh, on his own? Because he's got a number of animals and things with him, and you have to take those animals to a place they can graze and, 
and survive. So you have a great responsibility there. And, and of course, the wealth of Abram and all that he had was relying on his all of his animals, his servants and all that take care of everything. So he had to keep moving to where uh, things were looking better and Egypt was the place to go at that time. Now, please note, when we're thinking about the time period here, this is long before the sons of Jacob. Uh, we hear about Joseph being sold into slavery into Egypt and and all of this and, and the brothers coming to Egypt and and the, and the Israelites living in Egypt. This is long before. Matter of fact, 210 years before the Jews went to Egypt in, in that way. So this is long before it. Um, so don't get confused with, the, with the, even the way the Egyptians were. In 200 years, the Egypt of Abraham's day was certainly not the Egypt of, of uh, Joseph's day. They were a much larger, stronger empire at that time in the days of uh, Joseph and Jacob and the brothers. The Egyptians were, were descendants of, as, as we think, uh, the son of Noah, Ham. While the while Abram and his and his uh, family are descended from Shem, um, sons of Noah, and uh, of course Noah lived many years before this and his sons, about 2512 B.C. So we see how far far off this is. Um, now here's a question for you that we need to answer in our heads, get some idea. Why did Abraham pass off his wife as his sister? Um, well, you know, in a way, I think in the writings of Josephus and, and, and even in the scriptures, I believe, the account, I'm not, I can't tell you exactly where it's at, but um, Sarah was also a daughter of Terah by another woman. Um, at an in another at another time, uh, of course she was younger than than uh, Abram by oh a number of years, oh more than twenty years. Um, I think she was seventy five when Abraham was ninety nine, so almost twenty five years age difference. His this was a daughter of his father in another to another woman, of course. So, but it was a large family, you know, with all the brothers and all, as we see. So I guess technically he could say this, but it was certainly deceit, wasn't it? Um, did he simply do it to save his life? Um, is it a lack of faith? I don't know about the lack of faith because... Abraham is, is a man that believes what God says. Now, I believe he was on his own here with this. God allowed him to make this decision, but also God had to intervene by his providence and, and correct the situation before it got out of hand. So because of the deceit of God, uh, the, the, of the deceit, um, comma, God affected and afflicted the house of Pharaoh. And the house means all of them there. 
what was happening was happening to everyone, and it was probably a gigantic uproar there and uh, caught the attention of Pharaoh because he would have known it for himself. So they sent Abram and all that was his out of Egypt. Now, why did this happen? I think God protected Sarah from the Egyptian men to keep that bloodline uh, of the Messiah pure and traceable, unspotted, if you will, uh, clear back to Shem's uh, to Shem and his prodigy. Um, this is, you see, the the uh, the Messiah. The origins of the Messiah, the promise of the Messiah coming uh, through the line is is very critical. And it's very, uh, to the Jews, this was the evidence. Remember the, the phrase, uh, Jews require a sign. They have to have, and, and the Greeks need uh, in, intelligence or wisdom. wisdom. Yeah. Uh, they want to know. They wanted some evidence. And this bloodline is very, very important. And it always was. As a matter of fact, uh, in the years after Jesus and the church was founded towards the end of the first covenant in the, the area between A.D. 66 and A.D. 70, the, uh, the zealots or the, um, the warring generals that were living in Jerusalem. There was three of them fighting each other. Everyone was looking for and to kill every male from the tribe of Judah. Now, why was that? Because they wanted to eliminate every male from the tribe of Judah because that's the bloodline of the Messiah. So they were doing the same thing that Herod did. <clears throat> They were doing the, the same thing that, that Satan had tried to do. They were trying to confront God's plan of the Messiah. They, of course, they didn't understand the Messiah had already came. Uh, they didn't believe it, at least. They, they, had, a, they had an inkling. So then all of this is tied together. Uh, that's why we need to know about Abraham before we can understand what happened in Israel. What happened? If you don't understand or know anything about Abraham and the covenant, the promise, all that is, then you have no idea um, really the depth of the new covenant and, and the Messiah and the work of the Messiah. I keep thinking of that, that work. I, uh, remember ahead, hearing, I remember hearing something uh, about this once, and uh, I... I don't know if it's accurate. I do not know. I, the person that was on the radio talking about this very passage suggested that as brother and sister, they, uh, they were regarded by Pharaoh as children, even though they were older. They were not a family unit. You know, they were... And so that made them easier to absorb or, or somehow not quite a threat. As a married couple with possessions and things like that, they're bringing a hierarchy into, you know, Egypt. And that's, that was something that 
might not pass uh, whoever was around then. And it, it makes some sense to me, but, uh, you know, I think we know Abraham well enough through the uh, scripture to know that he was, he was, pro- he was probably right about if they went in the wrong way, he would be killed. And it, that wasn't in the cards for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it was a consideration. Really, even more fascinating than that part of it is God's reaction to Pharaoh, what he did to Pharaoh. That, that really is the part that probably gives the most clues. Correct me if I'm wrong, but God reveals the truth to the Pharaoh here about mm-hmm. Abram. He had to have. Otherwise, he wouldn't have even had this unless somehow Sarah told him. Yeah, but the first thing he says... But we don't the, know that. The first thing he says is in the form of a question. What have you done? What have you brought to me? What have you yeah. done to me? He had an understanding it was because of the situation, yeah. The Pharaoh knew, so he found out, and it, and it could be that it was revealed to him. So uh, we don't have all that, so we can, we can speculate a little bit. But the, the main thing is, I think, as Nolan said, God intervened, and he caused it to come to a, a stop immediately so that Sarah would be protected. And, of course, um, you know, his promise to Abram is that he would be the father of many nations, <laughs> that his seed, uh, by his seed, all the tribes of the earth would be blessed. So that is, uh, that's quite a promise when you think about the, how it would work out. But now as we look back, we can see that that's just exactly what happened. That's another reason that Christian people need to understand, study, and make a part of their life the history of the covenant people of God. The Israelites, Abraham, Jacob, and, and the 12 tribes, and, and the, Jewish, the whole Jewish account uh, we need to understand that because this is where Messiah came from. This was the people promised the Messiah. And I, I just think these things are so important. And it's the reason why many times when I read the scripture years ago, 50 years ago at least, I would... I would be scratching my head as to what what this this meant or what's the connection or well the connection I didn't know the connection I didn't I wasn't thinking of it uh, and as we say now uh, those of us that are involved in this so much that the the scriptures if you look at them uh, when we come to Abraham before that we have the patriarchs. Uh, those separate covenants that God had with each of them. But we come to Abraham, we find that everything changes. Now we have two divisions of of men in in the world. And then, and and we have to understand that uh, we need to understand the impact of this in the world we live in right now. Because there is a great impact from it. If we do not understand, there's an old saying, isn't it? Those that 
ignore the past are doomed to repeat the error of the of the past um, although it seems to always occur not everyone's going to going to deal with her or believe it so anyway that's why I say let's learn about the man Abram and this is where we learn his character and who he is this is who he is um, his family the decisions he's making this decision was a difficult one for me to to, to look at uh, yet as Joseph said many years later when when he was the prince of Egypt himself the second in command in all of Egypt what he said to his brothers when his brothers finally realized that Joseph was the brother that they had sold into slavery and they assumed he was dead because of it when they realized who he was they were they were they feared for their life and what did Joseph say I think it's in Genesis chapter 50 or 49 but I think it's 50 he says said to all of his brothers what you did um, what you did uh, as evil God has turned into a blessing for all, for all, for for the whole family. In general, I'm paraphrasing it. I didn't quite quote it. And and that's one of the famous sayings uh, from Joseph. And I'm sure that the the Jewish people use that. Uh, God took that evil act and turned it into a real blessing for the whole family. And the family was still small. There was only 70-some-odd people that came to Egypt to live. And that's another thing about Abram. And as he came into Egypt, I know that in, in the days of, Moses, or in the days of uh, Joseph, the, Israel, uh, the Egyptians did not like people who were uh, shepherds and had animals. They really didn't care for them. And yet this is what Abram was 200 years before that. <laughs> I don't know if this was something that came later or not. Because that's not the kind of people they were. They didn't, that's not wasn't their lifestyle. They had animals, but uh, they, weren't, uh, they didn't migrate. They didn't travel uh, with them. So they had their own area there around the Nile that they didn't have to leave it. Uh, the Nile never ran dry. It, it flooded and caused some troubles, but uh, they even turned that flooding into a great thing agriculturally for them. So I think we'll just have to deal with the... Um, uh, actually, this account is something similar. This happens again. But let's, let's quickly go to chapter 13 now and read a few verses. Um, and I think uh, we'll get another really good look at Abram. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and locked with him into the wilderness. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, 
was, uh, and, and he went to the place where he came. So now he's going back, you see. He went north um, into the wilderness as far as Bethel, as far as the place where his tent was before, between Bethel and Agai, the place of the altar, which he built there at first. And Abram there called on the name of the Lord. So he's, Abraham now is calling on the name of the Lord for direction, I'm sure. Uh, supplication for the answers to his great concerns, and I'm sure he's got a number of them at this point. And Lot, who went out with Abram, also had sheep and oxen and tents, and the land was not large enough for them to live together because their possessions were great. And the land was not large enough for them to live together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanites and the uh, uh, parasites. Pres- no, it's not parasites. Per parasites. Then, now they might have thought they were parasites at the time, but then inhabiting the land. So that was the land that they had lived in, that they had moved into. Verse 8, And Abram said to Lot, Let there not be strife between me and thee, and between my brethren, or my and my herdsmen, and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. Lo, is not the whole land before thee? Separate yourself from me. If thou goest to the left, I will go to the right. And if thou goest to the right, I will go to the left. And Lot, having lifted up his eyes, observed all the country round about Jordan, that it was all watered before God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, as the garden of the Lord, and as the land of Egypt, until thou come to Zagara. Okay, we'll stop there. Now, <laughs> this is the point where we find that Abram is more than fair. I, I think we need to say that he wouldn't have had to did the, uh, he wouldn't have had to make such an agreement with Lot. He could have picked where he wanted to go and sent Lot to the other, and I think Lot would have felt very, very good about it. Uh, But no, he let him choose. So Abram is more than fair. It shows his character. Um, And, of course, this is his nephew. It's his family. He let him pick the land that he was going to sojourn in knowing that the separation would, would cause um, uh, better, better uh, family ties. Uh, they needed, you know, they didn't just separate because they didn't like each other or they were, the, there wasn't enough room for the tent. Or, no, this was a, again, this had everything to do with the animals and the water. They needed more area in certain parts of the world, you, you might need an acre or two acres for one animal. So you multiply that out, you need room. 
In some places, you can be a lot closer. But in this area, they needed more room. Now, I want to I want to look at um, um, verse 11, 12, and 13. And Lot chose for himself all the country around Jordan, and Lot went from the east, and they were separated each from his brother. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the city of the neighbor neighboring people and pitched his tent in Sodom. But the men of Sodom were evil and exceedingly sinful before God. That's verse 13. And we'll pause there on, in our reading. Now, Lot had a lot of land, but he decided he wanted to live very close to town. Um, very close to a settled area. But the men of Sodom, and I don't know if this was something that was generally understood or this is from the scripture. God, of course, knows these people uh, and it may be recorded in that light. But the men of Sodom where Lot had settled or pitched his tent, if you will, were evil and exceedingly sinful. (laughs) Evil meaning... They took what was, uh, whatever was uh, that God had created for one purpose, they had changed it to another, and that was in more than just one one area. It was probably in in nearly everything they did. They were contrary to God's will and God's plan, and 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 uh, decent uh, decent nature sinning against God, of course. So why would a righteous man as such as Lot? Because we hear about Lot's prayers. When he lived in Sodom, he prayed to God about the people there because they were, they were very, very bad. But that, that came later. But why would he choose to live in an area such as that? We don't know. But in the end, it would cost him his whole family, in a, in a way. Uh, his sons de- decided to stay in Sodom when the angels were there and helping them escape Sodom because it was going to be destroyed. They decided to stay with the uh, women that they were going to marry. And his wife, as they were leaving Sodom, it was commanded not to look back upon the evilness. She did, was turned to a pillar of salt, and he was left with his two daughters who uh, ended up uh, committing a very sinful thing. And, and, and from those acts, uh, because Lot was uh, drunken, because of, uh, because of those two acts, two other nations were founded. Um, and I think I mentioned them what last week. Um, Moab... And Ammon, and those were nations on the east side of the Dead Sea, and those nations remained there. But typically, they were they were a bothersome, uh, not a well-liked people, and they caused much much trouble through the through the time. And yet, you see how closely related they are to Abraham. 
But were they living in the presence of of Jehovah? No. Obviously not. So you see that Abram, as wealthy as he was and as, and, and as connected as he was with God himself, we see that there's there's a lot of discontent and a lot of things happening in the world he lived in that were going to be difficult for him. And next week we're going to find that he was forced into fighting a battle, a war, if you will, to save his nephew. And uh, and because of that, he meets he meets Melchizedek, the high priest of God from Jerusalem area. And this is all part of of what made Abraham the man he was. He was wealthy, powerful. He had uh, uh, the blessing of God and the providence of God working in, on his behalf. And But he had a lot, of, lot to do. And he had many years he had to live faithfully because he was promised he would be the father of nations and yet even when he was 99 years old, he still hadn't produced the heir that, that God wanted, that he would have. So we will leave it there um, and, and, and pick up where, where we left off, and we'll be able to uh, get a little more history. And we haven't even got to the really good parts. Yeah, no, um, yeah. This is giving us the background that uh, I think we need to understand who this man is uh, and the people around him. Because before it's over, there is lots and lots of people in the family of Abram, even before he dies. Uh, So we'll leave it at that and hope you have a blessed week uh, and a a wonderful new year as we uh, dedicate ourselves to the the study of God's Word, and dealing with um, all that will come our way in light of, in light of what we know of, of the truth of God. And if we can work those things together, friends, we'll have a much better success in our day-to-day life and the things that we attempt to do and the hopes that we have. Um, We pray, Father, you will be with us until we meet once again in the study of your word as we learn of the history of the men and women that have brought us to this day at this time. We thank you for these things, Father, within your holy word, and we pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.